Again, we just um, hope you guys appreciated the worship this morning. Um, we are going to jump into a text that we've already covered this morning. I mean, covered this morning. We've already covered this year. Um, so if you have your Bibles, here's what we're going to do. You're going to open your Bibles. If you're new here with us, um, there are black Bibles somewhere in the pews at the end of the pew. If you are new with us, please take that. It is our gift to you. You can open up the flap, scribble your name right on the inside of it, and there's your gift for us this morning if you are visiting. Um, let's open up to Hebrews chapter 1. Um, and here's where we're going to go this morning. I titled it, On Your Mark, Get Set, Go. And these are just like three words that, if you really think about them, Three commands that just kind of get the adrenaline pumping, that just kind of kind of get us going. You hear those words and you're just like, yeah, 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 and you start to get fired up and okay, yeah, 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 let's go. And you mark and say, go, yeah. Start of a race. You know, I've done a lot of races. Scott and I do long, you know, long distance races, marathon, half marathons and everything like that. I mean, that's the common on your market set and go. This past week, we were a group of us, um, we took a, a fairly large group of us out to creation. And they have this thing, this is another way, and this is the thing that reminded me about this, is they have this thing called Land Rush. And what they do at Land Rush is basically a creation, you're out there with about 80,000 people. And what they do is there's a, there's a spot every night that you have to claim as your own. And what they do is very early in the morning, I mean, I'm talking 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, hundreds, thousands gather around this field, right? And they get ready on your mark, get set, go. And you get the opportunity to claim your spot for that day. Well, the first day that they do it is Wednesday afternoon because that's when the concert starts. So Dan Greenfield and I were, were out there and we're getting ready and, you know, we're, we're standing there on your markets, you know, and we're kind of where we're going to put our tarp down and we got to claim a tarp, a spot big enough for almost 40 people and all this. And, you know, they did it in the afternoon that, that first day. And it was the second time I've ever done it and I forgot the adrenaline rush that you get. Like you're just, and that, and they, but see, here's the key, right? That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like before everyone is starting. And so they're circling. And this is acres upon acres. And that's pretty far from the, the main stage. You can see all the way in the back. Not the little striped tents, but farther back. Afterwards, here's what it looks like. Okay, so you can see. Now, that's not necessarily Land Rush. That's the night concert. Okay, but people pick their spots and you know chairs and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And here's the really crazy thing, right? When they do land rush and start a race, you get on your mark, set, go, and you get to run. If it's a race, a sprint, whatever, land rush, they're kind of like on your mark, set, go, and you have to walk. And it's just kind of like that tease where it's like you know you can't run, you have to walk. If they run, they send you back and everything like that. And it, it's, it's crazy. It's happened a couple times, right? Back, Erica. Um, here's what's really cool, though, right? is that picture right there, one of the nights turns into this next picture. 80,000 people, candlelight, worship service. And it is just amazing. And it stops everything that you're doing. And this entire field, they shut down all the lights. And the only light are candles. And there's never been more of a time that I've experienced that brings 
me to a standstill and allows me to focus on Jesus Christ. That is what we do all the time upstairs. I'm relentless with these students. And that's what we're going to do this morning as we look into the book of Hebrews. So let me pray for our time really quick. Heavenly Father, we just pray that this really is all about you, Lord. Not just here this morning for the hour and 15 minutes we gather, Lord, but may every breath we take, every step we walk, everything about our life be about you, Jesus. So we just pray that this this morning, in these moments, you would be honored, you would be glorified. In your name we pray, amen. On your market set go, it gives you the adrenaline rush. But here's the key with on your market set go. Where are you going? You can say on your market set go and send kids running, but they have no idea where they're going. What's the finish line? Are we running down to that telephone pole and then have to touch the mailbox and turn around and get back here before the next guy? Is it on your market set go? Dan and I were like, oh, we want that spot. But the 20 minutes that we were standing there, we changed spots about three times. Where are we going? Is the most important and critical thing that you can ask when you hear the words on your market set go. I say that when we sit there and we walk through the journey of our faith, or we walk through the journey of our life, we hear the commands on your market set go, and most of us don't know where are we going. This morning, I'm going to say, we're going to look at scripture, a section of scripture that brings the where are we going into the greatest focus that we can have. And so open up your books, Hebrews, Bibles, Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 2. In these last days, he's talking about God here, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. And when he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And having become much better than angels, as he inherited a more excellent name than they. On your market set, go. It's all about him. If we miss nothing this morning, understand that our lives, everything we do, everything that we live, beyond us, all of creation, it's all about him. Everything is about Jesus. Whether or not we want it to be that way or not, we don't get a choice in the matter. Because right in verse 2, it says, his son whom he appointed, heir of all things. That means everything's coming to Jesus. Everything is for him. Everything is by him because it said everything was created through him. And we sometimes try and come along and make it not about him and more about us. And that is the very thing that every time somebody gets up here, whether you're playing an instrument, whether you're preaching, or whatever it is that you do in your life, that you have to fight, that we fight, that this isn't about me speaking up here right now, trying to make a bigger, better name for me, saying, you know, I want people coming up to me afterwards and saying, oh, man, you're you're a great speaker. No. If you miss Jesus this morning, you miss everything. I don't care how it's communicated. I don't care what songs are played. 
Everything in life is about Jesus. But he doesn't stop there. Because he gives us an amazing picture of why it's that way. Verse 3. And he is the radiance of his glory. Not a reflection, but a radiance. It means he's the absolute source. Not a reflection. We are a reflection of God. But Jesus Christ was the absolute source of God's glory. The exact representation of his nature, he's not a cheap imitation. He's the real deal. He's it. You want to see God? Look at Jesus Christ. You want to know how God is real? Look at Jesus Christ. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. What? I can't even get my kids to listen to me sometimes. And here, Jesus just breathes a word and he upholds, not only just creates, but he sustains and he upholds everything. I'm lucky when I say, all right, time for bed. The kids, you know, scurry off to bed. They're like, no! They run the other way. When you stop and think about it, he upholds everything, right? By a mere word. Tomorrow we're going to go to the beach, right? If I don't put on like a hundred sunblock, hello Irish, okay? The very star that he just simply breathe into existence 93 million miles away that we call the sun will make me redder than a Maine lobster. (laughs) And sometimes I try to make my life more about me than him. And I've come to realize sometimes sunburn is a reminder of who's in control. Look, it hurts out. So you sit there and say, okay, everything's about Jesus. On your mark, set, go. Is your life pointed toward Jesus? On your mark, set, go. Is your life purpose for Jesus? And you sit there and think, after I mean, after I read that and I, and I get these, these three descriptions, he does this incredible thing. He makes purification for our sin. There's absolutely nothing we can do to save ourselves. Right? Old message, we've heard it before. But you know what I say? Sometimes we need that gentle reminder every once in a while. And you know what? So do the people that our author is writing to. Because all you have to do is quickly flip over to chapter 2, and let's look at a couple verses there. For this reason, you know, he goes on and he says, you know, Jesus, he paints this eloquent, eloquent picture of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on and he compares him about how he's greater than the angels. And he'll go on and compare Jesus about how he is so much greater than everything else, and that's you know most of the book is about. But then he pauses right in the midst of this argument. And he says, For this reason, we must we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. See the Hebrews' audience were being persecuted. The Hebrews' audience had people telling them, you know what, that's too hard. The Hebrews' audience wanted to fall back into their old ways. The ways of Judaism. The ways of other things that just pulled them away from Christ. 
contemporary context? What is it in our lives that pulls us away from Christ? Is it the success of a job? The desire to get into a certain college? Boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, that relationship? There's all kinds of different things in our lives that try to pull us away from the main thing. And much like we need a warning, don't drift, don't drift, stay focused, stay focused. On your mark, get set, go. What are you running toward? What is your life pointed at? His glory, his nature, his power. The author of Hebrews reminds us in such an amazing way. Why would we want to be focused on anything else but Jesus? And I know, life is crazy. We have three kids under the age of five. Trust me, I get life is crazy. My wife gets it better than I do. I walk into the house and it's like, there are days where it's just like, ooh, I might think I might go back to work because things are just crazy. You know, this one's pulling that one's hair. This one took that one's toy. And in those moments and in those times when life gets hard, yeah, it's, it can be hard to focus. But what else are we going to focus on? What else are we going to look to? What else do you want your life to point at? What else do you want your life to be purposed for? My argument, my encouragement, is that your life, not your own, belongs to Him. He's the heir of all things. Everything was created by Him, for Him. Why would we point it toward, why would we purpose it for anything else? On your market set, go. Are you running to Jesus? When it's tough at work and that boss is just coming down and hard on you and hard on you, are you taking it to Christ? When your kid is rebelling and he's not doing what you want, are you taking that to Christ? When you don't know what's going to happen with your job or with your family or with your marriage or if you're going to get into that school, are you taking it to Jesus? Because if you're not, you're drifting and the author says, don't. Remember what it's about. It's all about him. On your mark, get set. Jesus. Focus. As a church, we're trying to do that. As a church this past year, we've said, on your mark, is set, go. It's greater to gather. Better to gather, sorry. On your mark, is set, go. This year, it's greater to serve. Year after that, on your mark, is set, go. It's wiser to learn. We never forget any of these things. As a church, we're trying to give focus but we never lose sight that it's all about him. In your life, is it all about him? Great example, great illustration. If you want, you can flip. If not, I totally get it. Over to John 3. Before I go there, I want to share this one quote because I think this sums it up probably as best as I can. Reggie Joyner said this. It helps me prioritize what's important in my life. But he said, a hundred years from now, the only thing that'll matter is a person's relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what? As a husband to one of the most amazing women, the most amazing woman I've ever met in my entire life, with three kids I count as angels, that quote, I struggle with it. 
because I want to be known as a great father. I want to be known as an amazing husband. But if my relationship with Jesus Christ isn't right, none of that will ever matter. John chapter 3. I love this guy. He's not talked about. He's not preached about that much. He gets glossed over so much. John the Baptist. One of the most passionate men you can read about in the Bible. Jesus himself said he was the greatest born of woman. Says this. Chapter 1, verse 19. This is the testimony of John, who the Jews sent to him, or when the Jews sent to him the priests and the Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? Who are you? On your market set, go, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny but confessed, I am not the Christ. See, John was so passionate and was so convincing in his preaching and bringing forth the message of Jesus Christ with his very life, people actually mistaken him for Christ. Can you imagine that? Living out in your workplace, living out in your school, living out in your in just your entire life and your family, that people mistaking you for Jesus Christ. And that's what's happening here. And John has a perfect opportunity. Perfect opportunity to hijack some fame for himself. To hijack some glory for himself. To make this whole deal a little bit about him. And he says, I am not who you're looking for. I'm going to point you to him. I'll show them to you with my life. Because John was focused. John made everything, every ounce of his being about Jesus. So, you know, curious, okay, if you're not the Christ, they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, nope, not him. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And, and I love his response. I, I really do. This was, this was, let me just read it, because he speaks it so eloquently. Verse 23, he says, I am a voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the pathway of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. I am a voice for Jesus. I am a voice for him. So that way, anybody that comes in contact with me, they get the very essence of my life, the very words off my lips, the very love from my heart is about Jesus. You know, last, Saturday, or last Thursday out of creation, we heard Lou Giglio spoke. Amazing message. He said the same thing about Paul. Jesus Christ said about Paul, he is my chosen, I love this, chosen instrument. To bring forth my name to the Jews, to the Gentiles, and to kings. We need to be a voice. We need to be an instrument in God's hand bringing forth the name 
of Jesus Christ. I know this morning, I don't know if you came here and you were expecting like some kind of like, wow, did you see that point that he made? Oh yeah, some crazy in-depth, like I see something nobody... No. You're going to constantly hear this morning, Jesus Christ. Because there is nothing else out there. There is nothing else we need to be pointing our life to. There is nothing else we need to purpose our life for. But Jesus Christ. John said this. I'm not the Christ. I'm a voice. He didn't stop there, though. John 3. In verse 25, what's happening is John's still baptizing. And he's baptizing a lot of people. And this argument breaks out between some of his disciples, the people that are following him, and with some people that are looking and pointing toward Jesus. And here's what John says in verse 25. And they, you know, they asked him, you know, that we were the first Baptist church and, you know, that second Baptist church over across the lake, they're starting to take more of our people and, and we need to do something about that, like have a potluck or something. And, and John says, no, that's not what we're about, that we're not going to do that. They have better cooks. Um, <laughs> they have Italian people over there. Um, I'm sorry, I might be Irish on the outside, but I'm, I'm, I have an Italian stomach inside, which is the reason why I married into an Italian family. Um, never go hungry. Uh, verse 25, Therefore, there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with, with a Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified? Behold, he is baptizing And all are coming to him. We're losing our people. John's answering and he said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ. But I I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and bears him, or hears him, Rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. I love, it's my life first. It's my life first, this next one. Sums it all up. Verse 30. He must, not an option, not a maybe, not a possibly, not on a Sunday and not a Monday through Saturday, He must, meaning Jesus, increase. I think it would be awesome if we had everyone in here repeat after John. He must increase. Okay, that was really bad. I think I was the only one still saying it. So how about if we all, one core, like we're singing to Jesus. Ready? Go. He must increase. Okay, I know it's a Sunday morning. I know it's a summertime. It is almost 11.30. Lunchtime is coming. We can do better than that. Ready? Here we go. Like you mean it. Ready? Go. He must increase. Much better. Now I know you're awake. I love John. He doesn't stop. 
But I must. Again, not a maybe. Not a possibly. Not an option. I must decrease. It wasn't that he was sitting there going, hey, you know what, I'm going to increase Jesus in my life and I'm going to keep it right there so the things that are important to me, the things that I like, the things that I prefer, the things that I think I need are going to stay here and I'll just elevate Jesus right there in my life so this way, you know, the things Jesus wants me to do and the things I want to do, we're going to sit there and be, you know, eye to eye with one another. John says, impossible. Not an option. If we're really going to live lives that say, on your mark, get set, go, and we're going to focus on Christ, and we're going to give things to Him, and we're really going to make our lives about Him. Not only must He increase, we got to be willing to decrease. we got to be willing to surrender. we got to be willing to give up the things that we want for our lives we think are important. we got to be willing to give up our preferences. And let me tell you something. In a year where we are going to become very focused on serve, we do not get to choose who's worthy of our service. We need to be willing to go after the people and to serve the people that Jesus calls us to serve, no matter how uncomfortable it makes us feel. And I'm already kind of like, oh, feeling it. Oh, you mean I might ask to do something I'm not uncomfortable with? Yep. Yep. Because you know what? Following Jesus isn't about comfort. It's about conviction no matter the consequence. Following Jesus is not about comfort. It's about conviction, no matter the consequence. My favorite guy in all the Bible got his his head on a platter, literally. But he would not renounce the name of Jesus. How does it look to make Jesus increase in your life? How does it look to make you decrease in your life? A couple years ago, we gave these three things to our students. This past year, we kind of got away from them a little bit. I still would remind every once in a while we're bringing them back this year because I just so firmly believe that the Spirit is bringing them to fruition. Three things I'm going to say, I'm going to suggest, I'm going to encourage this morning that we can sit here and say, you know what, if I'm doing these three things, maybe, just maybe, I can be moving to a place where he's my focus. Maybe, just maybe, I'm moving to a place where he's increasing and I'm decreasing. The first one, know him more intimately. I'm just going to give you all three real quick. It's, 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 we, we, this is what we say to the students. Know, live, share are the three things. They're really easy. The first one, know him more intimately. You can't live and share something or someone you don't know about. And you know what? Here, here, here's the thing that we, Kathy and I are all over our students about. This thing, 
This awesome thing, you go back to Hebrews 1, guess what? God said he spoke to us in his son. And his son is in this book. Everything and anything that God wanted to communicate to us is right here in the Bible. And when we first started dating some, I don't know how many years ago, a long time ago, her father used to say this thing, and he's still saying it to this day because he just said it to me on the 4th of July. I don't know how you can be a Christian and not pick up your Bible and read it every day. Every day. And when I was first started dating her, I was still a young Christian, and I'm like, what? Come on, life is crazy. How can you re- you got to pick up this thing and read it every day. But, you know, at the time I was in college and I have all this other stuff i got to read. And da, 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 da. We have three kids. We've married 12 years. We have a lot of stuff going on. Life is chaotic. And I see the importance of picking this thing up and reading it every day. How can you know Jesus? How can you be focused on him? How can you, on your mark, is set, go to word Jesus and not pick this thing up and read his word? Know him more intimately. Read him. Pray about him. What does it look like to know Jesus more intimately in your life? Second thing, live him more passionately. The more, here, here, here's my Here's my thing. If you, the more you know God, the more that you get to understand who he is and what he's done in our lives, and we get those reminders and we discover new things because we can't know everything. I believe that you, you can't hold it inside. See, the students are like, you know, you guys might be thinking, man, he's crazy. He's going to bust an ulcer in his head. With the way They're used to this. I can't hold him inside of me. I get up here, I'm nervous, I might just go, go and go and go and go and go. And you guys are going to be like, wow, it's one o'clock, is he ever going to stop? Like, you know what I mean? We're talking about Jesus Christ. How do you not live him passionately? I don't ask how you can, I'm asking how can't you? Come on, I know we're not charismatic in here, but at least give me some amen on that. Jesus Christ, people! Some passion, Amen! Share him more well, and I'm going to get myself in trouble. Share him more willingly. When I thought, um, I did the numbers. We were doing the research as to whether or not we were going to do Oasis and continue on. I saw 10,000 high school students in our area represented in our ministry. You know what my first, you know what my first reaction was when I was pitching the 1% to the staff and to the elder board? 1%. It's 100 students. It sounds like a lot for where we are. My next thought was, what about the 99? What about the 99? Because there are going to be students who graduate these high schools who have never heard the name or understood what Jesus Christ is all about. And they will go on living life thinking it's all about how much money they can make, how big of a house they can live in, how many cars they can drive. And they're going to make life all about them. 
And they're going to completely, completely miss it. And then I realized we have to be willing, whether we're in the workplace, whether we're on our school campuses, whether it's friendships, and then where God got me, whether it's your families, the people who know you best. And I was convicted because as the youngest of nine, in some churches, that's a youth group auto itself. Have I been willing to share the name of Jesus Christ with my brothers and sisters? With my nieces and nephews? How willing, how willing are we to share his name, his love, with the people that we come in contact with every single day. What if, we, what if we took John's deal and we put it, his words, in those three things? We must know him more intimately. We must live him more passionately. We must Share him more willingly. Because if we're not willing to share him, how are the people in the community going to know about the love of Jesus Christ? He said, it's about me, not you. It's about the grace that he has given us. And when we take that and we try to make it more about us, we're robbing him of his glory. When we try to take it and make the deal more about our life and our preferences, we're robbing his honor. And all we have to do is flip back to Hebrews and see that it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about him. And it's about his grace that he just freely gives and wants to give to the every single person in our lives. He wants to do it through us because it's all about him, not about us.